Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Coming up on Believe in Soccer, indestructible Bayern Munich, the class of Germany, the class of the world game. But is this a side that's invincible? The Serie A season begins at Juventus with a lineup that includes Cristiano Ronaldo, of course, and a midfielder from Little Elm, Texas. Yes, Weston McKinney starts his debut for the old lady. And the MLS player you want with you in a foxhole, playing for his fifth MLS side in Nashville, Dax McCarty, joins the Shep Messing Daily Cast next. Welcome again, that time of year when every major league across the globe is in play. Games in Germany, England, Spain, Italy, the United States, seemingly every corner of the earth. My name is Steve Cangelosi, and when I asked Shep last week who the best team in the world is, he said Bayern Munich. Then they play their first game. They score eight versus Schalke, conceding none. I assume nothing happened in the last few days to change your mind. <laughs> Listen, full disclosure, Steve, I, I feel connected to Bayern Munich, so I got that pick right. When I was a young Olympic goalkeeper, it's the first time I ever had a goalkeeper coach, and his name was Dittmar Kramer. They brought him in from Germany, coached me for a year leading up to the Olympics, and next he went on to coach Bayern Munich with Franz Beckenbauer playing, took them to two European Champions Cup titles, two years in a row. So he was an iconic figure for me. And then later on with the Cosmos, Franz Beckenbauer would bring some of the young American players in the offseason back to train with Bayern Munich. So I have a little Bayern Munich in my blood. Let me answer the question, though, that you posed. The players are unbelievable, Steve. There's no doubt about it. Starting in goal, the guys up front, Thomas Muller, Lewandowski, Alfonso Davies they brought. I mean... The list goes on and on, but I'll leave you with one thought. All the big players that I've spoken to who have played on big play clubs, they always say there's one club that's top class. If you played for Barcelona and then Sheffield United, you'll, you'll always think of Barcelona. Something happened when Thiago got transferred to Liverpool that really tells me a lot about Bayern Munich. And, and Karl Heinz Rummenegger, he's the chairman at Bayern. And he said when the transfer was done, he drove to the headquarters and waiting in his parking spot was Tiago. And Tiago hugged him and broke down in tears, thanking him for how he was treated for his seven years of service and thanking Karl Heinz Rummenegger for letting him go to where he wanted to go, Liverpool. And that to me tells the story about the class of Bayern Munich. That is uh, actually something that, that is a reflection of, of the entire organization. One can argue that when you're the reigning champion in Europe, domestic champion in Germany, holders of the German Cup, there's only one way to go, south. But when a team is this good, best striker in the world, Lewandowski, Thomas Mueller's playing like someone 10 years younger than his birth certificate, the speed of Davies, Kimmich, the addition of Leroy Sané, and the goalkeeper you talked about who probably has more knowledge than any active keeper in the game. Is the perfect season possible? Is this Arsenal 2003-2004, the German version? You know, Steve, interesting you bring that up because I thought about that. Is it possible? Absolutely. Is it probable? Look, 
that's a Herculean task. But I think this team has the quality, top to bottom, the depth of the roster, uh, to maybe achieve that. The Arsenal side of 03-04, Thierry Henry, Robert Perez, Freddie Lundberg, Dennis Bergkamp, even if you make the case that the Gunners team of 17 years ago was better, the competition in England, tell me if you agree, one might argue is stronger from top to bottom, and that in the case of Bayern Munich, wouldn't there be less chance of a slip-up in the Bundesliga? Is that fair? Yeah, that's totally, totally fair, and and I agree with that. Top to bottom, much more competitive in, in the England, for sure, and I think Arsenal had a much more treacherous path, too many opportunities to slip up, and yes, I think it is easier for Bayern Munich to achieve it. Well, their first league game versus Dortmund is slated for November 7th. Many call the atmosphere at Dortmund the best in the world right now. Limit fans is an issue. The team is so young. It's so enjoyable to watch. You can almost see them approaching the game against the champion Bayern as carefree as any team might. And I say that in a very complimentary way, where the approach is fearless with nothing to lose. And Shep, Gio Reyna scored again in a 3-0 win over Mönchengladbach. I'll tell you what, you got to be excited about some of the U.S. prospects, and we know who they are, uh, Weston McKinney and Gio Reyna, Pulisic. But Gio Reyna, look, he got his first goal, Steve, and, and I'm sure you saw it. That was a clever little run. There was a, a scramble at the top of the box. He peels off, makes a darting little run. Now he's got an acute angle. He's got a defender sliding out at him and he buries it low to the far post. I mean, superb game he had. He saw, I saw some of the stats. He also drew a penalty in that game. Uh, didn't take the PK, but he completed 100% of his passes. He's a young talent that's fun to watch. Dax McCarty joins us in a moment. I did want to ask before we get to Dax about one element of the biggest game in England this past weekend, Chelsea Liverpool in the Premier League. The game summary, that's not complicated. Red card to Christensen of Chelsea late in the first half. Liverpool plays 11 v 10. They score twice in the second half and they win. The second goal is purely the result of a mistake by Chelsea's embattled keeper, Kepa. Your fans know your credentials, right? Multiple championships, nominee for the Soccer Hall of Fame. But was there ever a time when you were the weak link on a good team because that might be a fair assessment right now at Chelsea and I wonder what that's like for a goalkeeper. Yeah, Steve, you know, I thought about that. You asked me to think about it and, and I did and I I went back over my career and actually I, I, ne I gave up plenty of goals where I could have done better but I never gave up a, a catastrophic goal like, like Kepa did. I never had a ball slip through my hands. To answer your question about how would it feel to be the weak link on a good team? I have to tell you, you can't think of too many teams that are strong in the world that have a, a weak goalkeeper, and I'll tell you why. They get rid of them. You cannot afford to have a, a guy in goal who's a liability. So if, if there's a goalkeeper that is a weak link, he's going to be gone. They have Mendy coming in. And look, mm. Kep is still only 25 years old, and goalkeepers have, have one thing they have – they, have, they choose to have amnesia. So you make a mistake, no matter how bad it is, and you got to say to yourself, forget about it. I'm, I'm still the best guy to be here between the posts. 
Let's turn our attention to Major League Soccer for a moment. Expansion Nashville SC lost to Columbus Saturday 2-0, but 15-year MLS midfielder Dax McCarty plays for a side that's won three of its first 11, facing much adversity, I might say, in the process, and is in a playoff position in this season that will see 10 teams from the Eastern Conference qualify for the postseason. Barklage for Sam. Barklage curls one in. Yes! The finish, Dax McCoy. Incredible. Third goal of the year from the man out of North Carolina, and Rebel regains the lead with less than a minute to go. That goal was scored July 27, 2013. The game winner in a 4-3 Red Bulls victory over Real Salt Lake. One of the most dramatic moments of the Supporters' Shield winning season and maybe the highlight of Dax McCarty's time in New York. Let's find out. He wears the uniform of expansion Nashville SC now, and he's kind enough to join us. Dax, that's a goal players dream about. I'm sure you remember it well. How you doing? I'm doing great, guys. It's a pleasure to, to be joining you today. And I'm glad we start off on that topic because I, we were just talking about it a little bit before we started recording. But that is, I'd say, if it's not my favorite goal of my career, it's certainly in the top three. Every, it had everything. It had drama, a um, little bit of luck, a little bit of bravery. Um, it, it had everything that you want when you score a game-winning goal. And we were saying how Red Bull Arena – you know, maybe there were 15,000, 16,000 people there. It sounded like about 50,000 people in Old Trafford, game winner. Uh, it's something that I'll remember for the rest of my life. Well, Dax, I I'm going to stay with you on that goal for a moment because in, in my broadcasting career, especially at Red Bull Arena, that was the most dramatic moment, the most exciting goal I've ever seen scored. And I'll tell you why. Because, look, I love drama as a broadcaster. We want drama. We want a last-minute goal for a winner. We want a little bit of chaos, and, and we want a big player to perform when it counts. You did all those things. I think it was, wasn't it Brandon Barklage whipped that ball? It was. In? It was, and I, I appreciate the way you described that goal, Shep, because that's exactly how I remember it as well. A little bit of drama and a little bit of chaos is, I think, the perfect way to describe that entire game, not just that moment, um, but for me – uh, you don't get many opportunities in a career, especially as a defensive midfielder, to get into the box and, and to try to make a difference in the attacking side of the game. That was a moment where I think we were at home. We were pressing forward. The game was just wild. And I just thought to myself, I'm going to get into the box and see what happens. And then, you know, with the drama, and I, I think I kind of had a little bit of a rush of blood to my head because I took my shirt off, and that doesn't happen often. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, I, I really appreciate the way you described it because uh, the memories come flowing back. Hey, Dax, we're talking about great goals. The one I remember, that little delicate chip over the head of New England Revolution goalkeeper Bobby Shuttleworth. Oh, another one that we talked about a little bit, but uh, that another goal where, you know, I really don't get the opportunity too often to, to get at the top of the box where you have a little bit of time and space and, and try to make a play. And I think we had just lost Tim Cahill to an injury, so he got subbed out at halftime. 
And in that locker room, we just had we just needed to have belief because I don't think anyone would have picked us to come back to win that game. And that chip was the start of just a wonderful second half for us. And that was one of the best goals I've ever scored in my career. I don't even know if it was the best goal that was scored in that game. Because if you remember, Bradley Wright Phillips scored an absolute banger uh, to the far post, I think with his left foot. And it, it was the game winner. And I just remember being really emotional after that game because of how proud I was of our group for being able to get the win. And that was, I think, the whole story of that whole season was just come from behind, use a little bit of character, show what you're all about, and uh, try to get some wins. What a year this has been, Dax. Uh, just days after the season starts, there's a devastating tornado that destroys much in downtown Nashville, I know. Then the pandemic, the setback for your team at MLS's back, uh, needing to be withdrawn. Uh, had you ever experienced anything similar to the tornado? I believe 25 people lost their lives in the devastation. I haven't, uh, at least not during my, my playing career. I grew up in Florida where you have very devastating hurricanes um, that, that hit the uh, sweep the state uh, every now and then, and, and we've had some really bad ones. But the tornado was something that was completely new for me, completely different that I had never experienced. And it was really scary um, because my wife and I actually were very lucky that we were a little bit uh, removed from it. It didn't come within, it, it didn't get within a mile or two of where we lived, but some of my teammates, the tornado just swept through their apartment complex and completely devastated their apartment complex. There was glass shattering everywhere. And when you hear stories like that and you hear stories of the people who lost their lives and even the people who lost their homes, it's a really, really sobering reminder of how small we really are in this world and how quickly things can be taken from you. And so the other side of it and the flip side of it is how I've seen a city in Nashville come together, support each other, um, it's unlike anything that I've ever seen. And that's something that I look at as to why this city is so special. Well, Dax, to, to that point, and, and we've seen it, unfortunately, under circumstances like this all over, not only a community, but this is a, a moment in time when a, when a team can take a city on their shoulders. H how has Nashville received your team? Well, it's been fantastic, to be honest, Shep. Uh, I think you guys probably saw our, our home opener against Atlanta United before the pandemic hit. We had 60,000 screaming fans in our stadium, packed in a football stadium, uh, that were all supporting Nashville SC, except for a small pocket of Atlanta United supporters. Um, but they, they made the atmosphere uh, even better, right? Because it was a really good game. It was a back-and-forth game, first game in Nashville SC's history. And it's just a shame that we lost that game because I didn't think we deserved to lose. But it's also a shame that we couldn't build off of that momentum. And it's a shame that obviously the pandemic hit when it did because, um, well, first things first, soccer is, is secondary when, when it comes to, to people losing their lives and, and how sad and tragic this whole thing has been for, for people in the entire world. But, you know, when you have a, a new team, when you have new fans and, and when you want to try to engage people and get them to fall in love with something, what better way than to piggyback off of a, a tremendous uh, that this city is willing to embrace our team and, and willing to support us through the tough times. You know, expansion clubs are expected to struggle, right? But one advantage is that the team starts from a very clean slate, right? No bad contracts that carry over, no players who used to fit the old system. Maybe they don't fit the new system. I was watching the first ever win for this club a few weeks ago versus Dallas, and I can only wonder what it felt like to be in that room post-game. Can you describe it? 
I mean, guys, I've I've been I've been playing professional soccer for 15 years now, and uh, it was the first time in my career that I had ever experienced the first win in a franchise's history, and uh, and I thought that was pretty cool. You could feel in the locker room after the game how special that moment was and how important that was for our group because this has been a very, very unpredictable season. This has just been a crazy year. I don't think anyone has seen any of this before. Um, and through all the madness and, and through all the chaos, you know, we were able to rally around each other, um, come together, go to a really difficult place to play in Dallas – uh, and, and come out with a really, really good result, uh, the first victory in our franchise's history. And, and I, I think because of the circumstances, that makes it that much more special and that much more memorable. So another moment that, that I'll never forget in my career and, and one that I'm really proud that I was a part of. Well, Dax, you mentioned 15 years. And, and look, I know as an ex-player, when people ask me, what are you proud of? It's really longevity right? To do it at a high level for so long. A lot of players come in, have a great season, fade out. But I know you'll be proud. You are proud and you have many more years to come. But I want to talk about your role as a leader, right? So you came out of uh, University of North Carolina. You came out early. You went in the draft. You went to Dallas. I think it was at DC United where, ironically, Ben Olsen put the captain's armband on you, and then, then he played you as an attacking midfielder. But <laughs> that was the first time you had the captain's band on, and I think you've had it on at every team since, since then. Talk about that. Yeah, Shep. I mean, first of all, I want to speak a little bit to your point about longevity. You know, you, you look at the high moments and the low moments of, of a career, and I think every player experiences that, right? You experience being able to – to be a part of championship teams and lift trophies. And then you experience injuries and you experience being on teams that aren't so good. But something that I think I'll look back on when I'm done playing is, is my, is the longevity that I've been able to have at, at, at the highest level here in the U S and that's something I'm really proud of. And that's something that I'm never going to sweep under the rug in terms of my own career, in terms of other players that I appreciate guys like Jeff Laurentowitz, um, you know, guys like Michael Parkhurst, these players that have come in and just played at the highest level and they've been really well-respected guys and they've always been important to their teams. I always reference my father, um, you know, other people's lives around him and, and he was such a good leader. He was a Navy man. So, um, you know, he was a very well-respected person who also commanded that type of respect back. And so the way I looked at my leadership was always make sure you earn the respect of your coaches and the players in your locker room before you go out and start demanding things of people. I think I've been really lucky in my career that I've played for such great players and, and captains and leaders, guys like Bobby Ryan, guys like Richard Mulrooney, guys like Thierry Henry. Um, th these types of players are, are people that, uh, you know, I don't take for granted because of how important they were to my development. And that's what I'm trying to do for our young players and, and maybe the younger generations that, that, you know, look to me now for a little bit of guidance and advice. And so um, I've been very fortunate in that sense. There are two sides to every story. And I know getting traded can sting for a player because it uproots your life. It also means somebody else out there wants you. From Dallas to D.C., New York to Chicago to Nashville, have you had to develop a thick skin over the years? Well, I think every professional athlete has to develop a thick skin. Uh, whether you move a lot, uh, whether you get traded, uh, whether you stay in the same place for your entire career, you're, you're always being judged. You're always being judged on the outside. You're always being judged on the inside. You always have the people making the decisions 
that are scrutinizing every single thing that you do. Um, and so for me, I've had a thick skin since I entered college. I've, I've heard the new, I've heard the rumors and the, the scouting reports on me ever since I was a young kid. He's too slow. He's too small. Uh, he's not physical enough. Uh, he's not fast. Uh, he's not, he's not a great goal scorer, this and that. And so you use that as fuel and you use that to create that thick skin that you need to have that longevity that we spoke about before. And so um, I like to look at it as a glass half full type of situation. I always look at it like, all right, you know, I'm so valuable to a, another manager or another coach or another team that they want to go and do whatever they can to, to get me and to trade for me. And then on the flip side of that, uh, you look at all the little nuances of MLS and, and the, the ways that MLS keeps competitive parity. Um, and you look at a, things like salary cap, things like uh, international player spots, things like homegrown player rules, all that, that different stuff leads into to coaches and managers trying to develop their roster. And so I had just re-signed a new contract in New York and I was really excited to stay and, and see that contract out. But Sean Davis, Tyler Adams, not many teams have players like this waiting in the wings. And so my trade from Red Bull was tough. Uh, it was difficult to experience, but I think it made me a better player, a better person. And ultimately, when I look at it from a business standpoint, uh, you know, it made sense. It was a trade that made sense. And no matter how painful it was and, and how painful it is looking back on that, I can understand why it was made. Yeah, Dax, that, that's kind of you to say, but... Look, that circumstance, if I remember it correctly, you had just gotten married. You were at U.S. Men's National Team camp. That's a heck of a way to get the news. You know, it hits you like a ton of bricks because it's very unexpected. And like I said before, I, I had been traded before in this league uh, for different reasons. And the, the trade from, from New York to Chicago, it definitely hurt me the most because of the, the experiences that I had at Red Bull. And the home that I had created there and the, the bond that I had with the fans and how much I enjoyed playing at Red Bull arena. Um, that, that really felt like a team that, that where my heart lied and where if you would have asked me back in, in 2000, uh, in 2016, if where, 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 where were you going to end your career? I would have said New York Red Bull. Right. But life changes, things happen. Um, you know, you, you, you take bad news and, and you just kind of have to take it on the chin and try to make the best of the next situations. And so uh, it happened the way it did. I was very happy in Chicago. Um, unfortunately, we didn't have uh, as good of results as, as you always would have wanted uh, being there. And now here being in Nashville, being with an expansion club, being able to play for a coach like Gary Smith and an organization like Nashville SC in a great city where I'm, I'm closer to home. You know, all these little things that happen in your career, they always lead to these, these interesting moments to where you find yourself. And I find myself in a wonderful situation where I'm extremely happy, I'm fit, um, and this is a place I can see myself for a long time, hopefully. So uh, hopefully we can continue to get some wins under our belt and try to make some noise this year. Well, last one from me, Dax, and, and we've talked about your leadership, your quality uh, on the field. You've shown that off, too. I know you were a, an active member of the, uh, during the collective bargaining agreement with MLSPA, and, and what, what would, no easy answer, but what would your advice be to young players growing up now? I mean, there's so many different routes to go, the academy, try and go overseas, play in college. What do you tell a young player today? It's some advice that I've, I've gotten in my career. And I think it's really easy when you're young 
to get really down on yourself when you go through negative experiences. But something that I heard a long time ago and something that I believe with every ounce of my heart is that success is not a straight line. I don't think it matters any walk of life that, that you are in. The trajectory of a successful individual doesn't just go straight up in a straight line. There are ups, there are downs. If a coach tells you you're not good enough, that's fine. You respect his opinion, but you move on and you try to get better. Uh, if you go through an injury, um, you can feel sorry for yourself. You can ask everybody why this happened to you, or you can get to work. You can go to work the next day. You can rehab. You can get stronger than you were before. Uh, there are so many different players that have talent, and, and having talent is not enough to be successful. It's having good character, working just as hard as, as the next guy, and even harder, uh, and, and then making sure that, that you cultivate that talent to, to give you all the necessary tools you can to be successful. That's what I would say. I'll let you go with this, Stax. Jordan Morris was MLS Player of the Week last week. They got that, <laughs> they got that one wrong. Uh, you factored into four goals, scoring one yourself. And uh, we can't thank you enough for your time today. We hope you're loving Nashville. It's one of my favorite cities. And I hope somehow our paths cross before this season is over. At least that's my hope. I appreciate it, guys. And I will say, if I had to lose out MLS Player of the Week to someone, it's okay that it's Jordan because he's the nicest human being alive. But let the record state, let the record state, I will most likely never be involved in four goals in a game ever again in my career. Jordan, it's probably <laughs> going to happen plenty of times, all right? So I'm not happy about that. But if it had to be someone, I'm glad it was Jordan. <laughs> Take care, my friend, okay? Thanks, Thanks so much, thanks, Dax. Dax has represented the U.S. men's national team. Weston McKinney does so at the present time. And Shep, let's end on this. He found himself in the starting 11 Sunday for a Juventus side that included Cristiano Ronaldo. You saw some of the game. What did you make? Uh, Steve, you know, dreams do come true. And when you think about the path Weston McKinney has taken from youth to where he is today, on the field, in the starting 11, and looking up in front of him and seeing Cristiano Ronaldo. And we've all seen the pictures during the week leading up to the game. It looks like Cristiano Ronaldo has taken him under his wing. So I couldn't be more excited. I think if you're a U.S. soccer fan, you've got to be excited. I don't think he just fit in. I thought he did extremely well in this game. He actually factored into the goal by Benucci, and he had a couple of shots that were saved. All eyes are on Juve in the Italian league because of Andrea Perlo, obviously, not because of Weston McKinney, because Perlo's never managed a game for a first team prior to yesterday. If you're a six or an eight like McKinney, do you want to be coached by Pirlo? This is like having Beethoven teach you piano. There's probably positive and negative to this. <laughs> That's a great analogy. And I, look, if, if you're Weston, I, I think you love that you're being coached by one of the best guys ever to play that position in the world. So I, I don't think it's a two-edged sword. I think Weston McKinney right now is living the dream. Big stories over the weekend in MLS. An Olympico and a six-goal explosion by Portland. We'll tackle it on the next edition of Believe in Soccer, the Shep Messing Daily Cast.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.